Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Grow You podcast. Grow You is a podcast based out of Woodlands Church in Plover, Wisconsin. Our hope is to help you better engage issues going on in our culture with the truth of the Bible. If you have thoughts or questions, we invite you to continue the conversation online at the Grow You Facebook page. Come like the page and leave a comment. We hope you enjoy today's episode with your hosts, Matt and Nate. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to our first official episode of the Grow You podcast. This is Nathan here. And Matt Wilhelm here. And we're excited to get started. We have a couple uh, fine guests with us on our first episode. Would you guys like to give an introduction to yourselves? Absolutely. I'm Tyler Hansen. I do not live in Stevens Point anymore. I actually live in Wheaton, Illinois. I'm a youth pastor down there. I work at Willow Creek Wheaton. A uh, good friend of Matt's, brother-in-law of Nate, and I guess they wanted me to do this because I did my undergrad in Bible and theology. I'm in seminary right now, so I guess that makes me mildly competent to speak on some of these issues. And smart and beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Mom says that about me quite a bit, too. Well done, well done. And we have another guest with us, too. Yes, my name is Emily Lund. Uh, I am have never lived in Stevens Point, but I am here visiting. Uh, I am originally from Washington State. Uh, I grew up there, went to school in Oregon, and I moved to the Midwest a few years ago to work at Christianity Today, uh, the magazine. I now no longer work there, but I am on my way to Duke Divinity School next week to pursue a master's in theological studies which maybe is why I'm here. Well, also, Emily and I are dating, so that's probably well, how you wind up in Stevens Point, too. That's, yeah, I, that's, that is also okay. why I'm here. That's very fair. Really, what, we, what happened is we just wanted Emily's opinion on the podcast. And <laughs> to do that, we got Tyler. It's an interesting, interesting scenario. Yep. Very curious. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to hear your thoughts, your opinions, your takes, uh, et cetera, that kind of thing. So... Today, uh, we'll be talking about, uh, this is, as Tyler said earlier, the good book. We'll be talking about the Bible today. Uh, The reason we're actually talking about the Bible today, though, is because much of what we are going to discuss in the coming episodes will be rooted in conversations from the Bible. We will be citing the Bible, and uh, we want to be really honest about this, that our culture doesn't necessarily uh, look at, I would argue, most holy books, holy texts, as authoritative anymore. Um, at least in the United States. Um, and so we actually wanna, wanted to spend an episode talking about the Bible and why that's kind of our starting point. So some of the things we're going to talk about today are, you know, what is the Bible? Uh, things like where did it come from? Um, why does it matter? Why does the Bible even matter? Why is it important? And uh, can we trust it? Should we trust it um, if we're able to? So uh, that is our topic for today. So Tyler... Would you like to go first? Give a little discussion. Can I? Can I say something? Oh, of course you can. Okay. Oh, Nate's gonna. <clears throat> yeah. I, yeah, I give you permission, Nate, on your own podcast. <laughs> you girl. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, something that can be healthy to do when we when topics start to come out about the Bible is to take your expectations, your presuppositions, and kind of check them at the door and kind of start from scratch, so that you don't come in with all these either positive or negative or hard standing things. I don't think that we're gonna be 
comprehensive, but I think checking some things at the door can be healthy for actually engaging in conversation instead of bringing your own baggage with it. Absolutely, man. That's, that's a great, uh, that is a great point. What, what example would you give for the baggage that could be checked at the door? I mean, you could, you could tie, um, either, either way, I think a hot button issue could be politics and you can bring in your ideas about what the Bible is and say it strongly supports one party or another, Mm. um, where I don't think Jesus lived in, uh, 20th century America, if I remember right. Uh, but I I think it it can be valuable to, to check some things like that and in a little bit more empty that's a great that's a great example well done well played um good point um so tyler what is the bible in your in your opinion your professional opinion right what is what is the bible what would you say i would say the bible is a document that testifies to how the living god at times acts and moves among his people Hmm. um i think that my definition of the bible might be a little bit unnerving for some evangelicals because when we speak of it being authoritative and having nearly every answer to the human experience, um, I just don't particularly think that it does. I think that it is a single document comprised over all sorts of centuries that testifies to how God moves, how he acts, how he interacts with his people. Um, But I think that it takes a lot more... um, thoughtful consideration to really interact with the Bible well than many evangelicals may want to think. So do I think that the Bible has merit? Absolutely. Um, but I also don't necessarily want to elevate the Bible to being up there with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm, yeah. That's a great thought. When you say when you say his people, I'm not trying to get into a rabbit hole here, but because uh, this could be, but when you say his people, what do you mean by that? Just human history, humans in general, um, a specific subset of those humans? What do you mean by that? Um, I think when I say his people, I probably mean the particularity of how God chooses to reveal himself through the nation of Israel, throughout the Hebrew Bible, and then throughout the New Testament through the community of believers that later on becomes known as the church. I think to some people that can be a little bit offensive, a little bit shocking to think that God sort of chooses to act just with these people. But I think that upon further analysis, it's almost all the more beautiful that God chooses particular people in particular places with particular names, struggling particular issues. And the living God chooses to show up in very normal, ordinary situations of life. Um, So when I say his people, I probably refer to Israel and then the church. Awesome. Awesome. And that's a a great point, too. I think that we talked a little bit about this yesterday at... Henry's birthday party. It was. It was a great time. Yeah, Nate's, Nate's social event of the summer in Stevens was, Point. It was, it was <laughs> hot, um, literally, literally. And figuratively mm-hmm. too. But um, now that we were talking about this too, Tyler, that that's one of those things that like I I have had to reconcile in my uh, journey as a, a Christ follower since surrendering my life to Jesus. That idea that uh, I love like big big picture, big vision, meta topics, as the kids would say, meta things. I love that stuff. And reconciling that with the notion that God does choose uh, individuals with names in historical contexts in certain scenarios and interacts with those people individually. And how, do, how does Jesus interacting with me individually look in light of these huge, huge concepts that we see in the Bible, beautiful concepts that we see in the Bible? So that's, I mean, that's a great observation, Tyler. Thank you for diving into that, too. Oh, you're very welcome, Matt. You're the man. Uh, Emily, would you mind giving your 
uh, given your take on what the Bible is and kind of why, you know, not why, why, we'll get there, but what it is. <laughs> what it is. Um, <clears throat> for me, it's almost helpful to think of the Bible not so much as a book, but as a collection or compilation of writings. Um, because I think if you think of it as a as a book that implies just some expectations and assumptions that you, you can't necessarily put on it because it's just a collection of so many different voices, different genres, different times in history, um, different audiences. And you have to think about that when you're reading it because it was not written in a vacuum and um, you can, yeah, you just have to approach it differently than most other books. And that's been really helpful for me to come to the Bible. That is a fantastic answer. Mm-hmm. That is a Thanks. fantastic answer. Yeah, that's, that's, that's such a, an astute observation that's not written in a vacuum. I love that notion. I think that's something that, <clears throat> and when it comes to any holy text of, of any world religion, I, I get the sense that there's, and again, I'm speaking to an, an American context here, so forgive me, rest of the world, not that you're listening to us anyway, but <laughs> um, uh, the idea that uh, whether it's the Bible or the Quran or the Upanishads or whatever it is, like you're, it's this idea that these things exist in this holy, holier-than-thou vacuum where somebody's on a monastery in a hill writing this stuff versus a, a book like Isaiah that's, that's set in the midst of prophecy, set in the midst of a ton of historical context. A swirling mess of historical, uh, socio-political, uh, at the time, I guess, national, quote-unquote, uh, stuff going on in the world with Assyrians and freaking Babylonians and stuff. Like, there's, there's a lot going on um, in the Old Testament, specifically, that historically I think we tend to miss because we just read it as if it's... We tend to read it through that individualistic lens mm-hmm. in that vacuum world rather than saying, God is speaking to the world... Uh, in the middle of history. Um, that's what he does in Jesus, right? Like he steps, Jesus is God stepping into the middle of history around the turn of, you know, whenever BC became AD. Uh, I don't know how that's, yeah, whatever. Um, um, I, guess I, just read, I just read a book about it, Four Portraits, One Jesus by Mark Strauss. It's like a whole chapter on it. It's really boring. It doesn't matter, but anyways. It sounds exciting, actually. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really not. Tantalizing. <laughs> um, but, I mean, there's that idea that God in Jesus steps into history, and that was in the middle of the Roman Empire. Um, it's around the time of Pax Romana. I mean, this is a big deal. Like, this is in the middle of history uh, of arguably the most successful, powerful empire in world history. Um, so, yeah. successful by the world standards, but we'll get there. I think another thing, just with you talking about being a compilation of different <coughs> genres, <clears throat> I think for me, uh, it's been something that I've been trying to think about a lot more as I start to read the Bible. And uh, it, it makes impact. So I used to come in with expectations of a book mm-hmm. of an American writer in the 20th century who's going to say all these details about certain characters and kind of about a certain writing style and have a climax at a certain time and all of these kinds of things, whereas the, the writers of this time have a very different writing style that's brilliant and brings details that are needed at the right times, depending on their genre and depending on the, the time of writing. So. Mm-hmm. I know that's helpful for me in just understanding, you know, why this book doesn't make sense at times, but it's because I'm not understanding the context beneath it or what type of writing style they're bringing to the table, whether it's mm-hmm. history or poetry or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good point. It is. And your points kind of work in conjunction, Emily and Tyler, I think, in the sense that uh, 
saying <clears throat> excuse me saying it's not written in a vacuum and understanding that there's different <clears throat> yeah, there's different authors in this compilation of texts over you know thousands of years um, it, that, I think that does speak to the reality that uh, when something isn't written in a vacuum by I guess by default it's written to something in a scenario to someone in a scenario that um, doesn't always uh, match up with our exact scenario so Tyler that idea that does the Bible speak to every each and every scenario of life I don't think it does either like I think it speaks to specific scenarios that happened in real life world history and we can obviously uh, acquiesce some wisdom from that but that doesn't mean that uh, God is telling me which you know freaking scone to pick out or donut to pick out this morning or which brand of toilet paper to use you know like that's not that's not what's going on here so that's a that's a great the word acquiesce <clears throat> Is that in Pirates of the Caribbean? No. no. Is it Caribbean or Caribbean? Caribbean. I just remember... That's <coughs> Wait, Caribbean. yeah. I think that's the first time I, I ever heard... We asked your request. Yes. Right? Wow. Yeah. Throwback. That's, How did you guys remember that? that that's wild. I don't know, but I, I remember that now. Oh, it was you know? huge for my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Really? yeah. Wow. Interesting. Well, okay, well... <laughs> Before Wait, we move along, oh Nate, you have something to say. I, I was going to bring it back to the Bible, but fire away, dude. Oh, really? okay. I have to, uh, this just goes in, in conjunction with what kind of everybody's been saying. I think uh, Chris Dolson, pastor at Blackhawk Church uh, in Madison, and one of the things that he said, we were going through the Bible in a year together at, uh, at Blackhawk, and one of the things that he and the other pastors would bring up is that the Bible is not written to us. The Bible is written for us. Mm, yeah. So it, it was written to people in that cultural context, but it's yeah. written for us, and we can glean things from it now. Yeah. That's like what you were saying. The Bible wasn't written to us. It was written for us. That's a great That's a great phrase to work off of, honestly. Just simple, simple, catchy, but not written to us. It's written for us. Very good. Good, good ad. Well done. Chrissy D. Chrissy D. Wow. I'm going to send him this episode and <laughs> tell him to listen to that section. Um, oh. At about the uh, 1335 mark, listen to your nickname. Okay, real quick, since I probably said something that was maybe a little bit too off the wall in the beginning, I will say that I think almost because of what you were saying, Matt, that the Bible is about how God interacts with people in particular historical situations, that to me is almost where the Bible derives so much authority and power, mm. I think, in my own life. Yeah is that if the living and breathing and active and moving God, if he has something to say to a bunch of random believers in first century Corinth, then that same God probably has something to say about my life right now. Mm. And his Holy Spirit is not done moving. Yeah. So I almost find so much of the authority of the scriptures to be found in the fact that God interacts with real people in real time and in real space. Mm. And why would I be any different than that? Yeah, uh, that, that's great. And it actually works as a great segue to... I was hoping it was going to work as a great segue, <laughs> which is why I wanted to say it, Holy Matt. cow. Okay. You are freaking brilliant. Um, I was trying to like rope us in from Pirates of the Caribbean to something else. Yeah, yeah. So, um, a great segue into the question of why does the Bible matter and can we actually trust it? And why should we trust it if we're going to? Like, what's what are what are actually some evidences for that? So, there's a couple different fields that talk a little bit about this. One called textual criticism. That's <sighs> a big. <laughs> Jesus was German, man. That's what I learned in New Testament criticism I, 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 in college. Jesus wow. was German. I love textual criticism. That's that's like a nerdy topic of mine that I just get rowdy about. But nonetheless, um, we should dive into that. So guests, I apologize for like interviewing this, but you're our guests, so I may interject with some random crap here and there. Oh, Nate, please do. Yeah. We both will. Uh, but Emily, can we actually just 
start with you on this one and just say why why would you say the Bible is trustworthy? Why should we actually even consider adhering it for those who aren't Christ followers? Like mm. why why should they consider giving it a read, uh, starting there and um, being willing to give it a chance despite what they might have heard? Mm. Yeah, well, I I mean, I can definitely relate to those who might have doubts about the Bible's trustworthiness because it is a little, um, it is a little scary to think that the Bible, like what makes up our, you know, Protestant Bible, was really was chosen by humans and humans are flawed and make mistakes and have biases and prejudices. And um, so I sort of wonder sometimes, like, hmm, are there letters, books that didn't make it into the Bible that yeah. maybe should have? And that's something that I... Quick question. Yeah. Sorry. When you say they're chosen by people, uh, mm-hmm. for audience's sake, to- yeah. totally, what, what does that mean? Like, just in a, in a brief... I, I know there's, like, four different councils. Right, there, right. Like, <laughs> uh, in, a, in a brief synopsis, what does that mean, chosen by people? Um, I... I am not going to use, like, specific names or places because I get them wrong, or years. But it was, yeah, it was what makes up the the canon, as far as I understand, of our modern Bible, um, was sort of whittled down by various councils um, throughout early church history. Um, and... As far as I know, it it was the books that were chosen were based on what was being used widely, what was seen as orthodox, um, what um, kind of trying to weed out the more um, heretical, the more um, controversial books that are letters that were being used. Um, And so I and that's what I've always heard and I've always known. um, But I can see how people could look at that process and be skeptical about it and yeah. wonder, like, hmm, okay, so people chose what was in the Bible. It's not like God just dropped the ESV on top of a mountain and was like, <laughs> this is the book that Bible didn't come Christians from Wheaton, Illinois? are going to use. It from Grand Rapids? It's the English standard version. <laughs> that means it's standard for... All, all the English speaking world. Yeah, well, all cultures in the English right, speaking world. They're all right, the same. well, Gosh. yeah, Jesus spoke English. If so. we have Scott oh, McKnight as our guest next week, he will rip that to shreds. <laughs> wow. You can only get Scott McKnight as our guest. Um, okay. Right, good. So, this is actually not untrue, but. Wow. Sorry. Oh, yes. But, so, all that to say, I can completely relate to people who have doubts mm-hmm. and questions about the Bible. And, um, and I think that you have to, for me, I almost, part of my trust in who God is, is trusting that the Bible we have is not, I don't know, that the Bible we have is reliable mm-hmm. and yeah. still a source of truth and wisdom and that God wouldn't let God's people go throughout history with a with this sacred collection of texts that was um somehow not not what we were supposed to have um and so yeah so for me there's that trust element in there and also i mean just objectively speaking the fact that it is 
so well known and so um, well respected and esteemed even by those outside of the Christian tradition. Yeah. I think that's people are curious about it and even maybe for for good reasons and for bad reasons yeah, and yeah. so even if all you've heard about church and christianity are horrible things it's it makes sense that you would even want to dive in and see like so what's going on what's yeah. going on in here mm. that's a great that's a great answer Emily. thank you again always great answers um all Thanks. two questions i've ever asked you uh, are great answers um yeah because that's something that like uh, just for our listeners who are a little bit of history nerds really kind of what happens in the first four centuries a.d what you really see happening is um, a ton of letters about this person, Jesus of Nazareth, being circulated around <clears throat> the uh, ancient Near East, I guess, uh, well, the Roman world, around you know, Israel, Jerusalem, uh, into Eastern Asia, like what is modern-day Turkey, uh, in this general area of the world. And you see a lot of these letters being circulated to various different churches from people like Paul, of, you know, Saul of Tarsus later becomes Paul. You can read about that in Acts 8. Am I right? Am I saying Acts, is it Acts 8? No, it's later. Stephen Stone to Nate. Oh, Acts 9. Sorry, yep. it's Acts 9. Sorry. Acts chapter 9, you can read that conversion story of uh, Saul of Tarsus to uh, Paul. But there is, um, <coughs> Paul writes a lot of the, Paul ri- writes a lot of the New Testament, and those letters from Paul, we call them letters from Paul because they are letters from the Apostle Paul to specific churches. But those weren't the only letters being circulated at all by any stretch of the imagination. There's a lot of evidence that says that that society was actually very literate, especially the Jewish society was very literate and could read quite a bit um, and did read, in fact, quite a bit. There's a lot being circulated there. So um, I guess I'm almost answering my own question, too, is the sense that, like, I think there's a I think there's an example of God diving into human history as this canon of Scripture, canon being a Greek word, Again, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but Greek word originating for the for this rule of measurement, a canon or canon, I guess, Um, a rule of measurement, and um, this canon is established uh, over, like Emily said, over a few different meetings of church leaders from one around that known world, people who, because of a lack of globalization, can't meet with each other and talk with each other over social media, and it takes months and months and months to get communication from one to the other and uh, travel isn't safe. So these people can't, they don't have the chance to get together and disagree with one another or rant uh, or send hate mail over Facebook or whatever. Um, But these people somehow in what I would call a borderline miraculous way come together over a few councils, meetings, and and decide if these are the books based upon a set set number of criteria. These are the books we are going to label um, the official written word of God. That's fairly miraculous, because frankly, I'm not sure you could get people to do that today, even if you tried. Um, I think it's a safe statement. I think we can all agree it's a safe statement that throughout human history, if we can all find a way to piss and moan at each other, we'll do that. Mm -hmm. And if we can find something to disagree with one another on and fight about, we'll probably do that. Um, Well, I mean, Athanasius did get exiled five times from Alexandria. So, you know, Athanasius being a church father. Yeah, Yeah, well, he did, which is... I love that you know that, by the way, because um, I didn't know that. Yeah. But um, He had a terrible life, actually. <laughs> we'll do a whole episode on yeah. how terrible his life is. So if you feel like your life how is terrible bad, Christians are. think <laughs> Athanasius. Um, but, so, I mean, there's so much in that actual historical context that 
Um, I mean, these councils sat together and debated letters that one of, I mean, one of the Gospels, and this is, I mean, a famously quoted idea, I believe it's the Gospel of Thomas, or no, Gospel of Mary. Oh, it's Gospel of Thomas. It says, Gospel of Thomas says that Jesus, as a little boy, basically was getting, like, like I'm not sure if he was, like, picked on at the little Jewish school schoolyard. And oh, Proto-Evangelium. Yes, okay, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he, takes the, he takes a bunch of the, uh, a bunch of clay and makes a bunch of pigeons out of this, and, or, like, birds, and has them, like, swoop and soar and stuff. And it's a most, wild story. It's wild. It's also bogus because most of the testimonials of Jesus that we have don't say ridiculous stuff like that. They actually say real, normal, human stuff, except for the part where he raises the dead and actually does miracles with a purpose. He doesn't just do miracles vindictively. So that's an example of, of one of those books that uh, says some ridiculous stuff about Jesus. And these councils actually rule out things that say that Jesus does ridiculous stuff. They rule that stuff out, um, which you think would actually be counteractive to their testimony about who Jesus is and was. Um, but it's not, if you look at the canon. So anyway, random stuff. Um, Emily, you rock. Tyler, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, why, you know, why should we trust the Bible if we're going to? Why does it matter, even? Um, I think we can trust the Bible because... In many ways, it has stood the test of time, and it's made it through all sorts of different historical periods. Mm. I mean, Emily talked a little bit about canonization and what that process was like. Of, yeah. I mean, I guess my comment on that would be is that let's keep in mind that Christianity was an illegal religion until 313 yeah. when Constantine becomes the emperor and has his conversion. So if the canon is closed in 367 by, yeah, Matt says conversion in air quotes. That's a whole, we can do a separate podcast <laughs> on pacifism <laughs> and empire and Constantine. That'll be a good time. And we will. Believe me. Uh, but I mean, the canons closed in 367 by Athanasius, apparently. And the church goes on for another basically 1,200 years. And the, the church at that point, you know, is Eastern Orthodox. That begins in 1054. And the Roman Catholic Church, and for a while, Scripture is something that is read publicly every single Sunday. Most people aren't particularly literate. This is why we have images and icons in many churches still to this day. This is how we communicate the good news of Jesus to to many folks like that, and the scriptures kind of stand as very well authoritative. Mm. We make it up to the Protestant Reformation, Luther, man, that guy, he, he loves his scripture, so does Calvin. Man, give a good lawyer a book like Calvin, and he will just take it to the nth degree. Who is more woke, Luther or Calvin? Who is more woke, Luther or Calvin? <laughs> well, let's just exclude many of Luther's very anti-Semitic comments <laughs> that he made towards the end of his life. So Calvin. So I'm going to go Calvin. Calvin also burned a guy. <laughs> he he killed, killed people. people. Yeah, so. yeah, Calvin did some horrible things. They're Absolutely. not exactly like... <laughs> Absolutely woke, horrible things. Yeah, not, not role models, exactly. I, uh, I actually might say Luther, because Calvin was... Just, I mean, like, he preached, like, twice a day. Geneva was, like, kind of a theocracy under his time. Luther yeah. was all about freedom. I mean, Luther didn't even like the Book of James. He thought it was too prescriptive. I mean, an epistle of straw, according to Luther. So That's, that's fair. So Okay, that's fair. So Luther was more woke than Calvin. Yeah, so anyways, Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and these other folks come along. Scripture all of a sudden becomes incredibly elevated. It takes a central role in the life of the church. The preaching of the word is of the utmost importance. And then we make it up to the Enlightenment. And really, I feel like... Come on, let's get real. Probably ever since, like, D.F. Strauss and F.C. Bauer in, like, the 1780s at the School of Tübingen, what book has been tried to be destroyed more than the Bible? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I made my, jo my joke earlier about how Jesus was German, but, I mean, this was the reigning heir of New Testament studies for about 200 years. Yeah. 
It was how can we prove through form and literary and textual criticism that the scriptures aren't true and that they were all made up? And how can we deny everything that's any sort of uh, mysticism or miraculous power in the scriptures? Quick interjection on that, though, too, is that notion that, like, and I think you had brought it there, too, but I think we, I mean, we see this idea in the book of Daniel, too, that the kingdom of God wars against kingdoms of the world. And ultimately comes out victorious in that, but I think you, if you look at, even in modern history, let's look at communist China, uh, communist Russia more specifically. I mean, the, the biblical text was essentially illegal, in, in, not essentially, it was illegal, in, um, in communist Russia. And it wasn't illegal because it said nice, cute things and pithy, stupid, encouraging statements for us. It actually was illegal because the book uh, was revolutionary in the idea that it's, even, yes, even in the 20th century, the Bible was still revolutionary in the idea that, of saying that <clears throat> communist Russia is not God. There is a God, his name is Yahweh, and he rules over the world. Um, and all of your kingdoms of the world are naught and nothing compared to the kingdom of God. And that is, uh, that is a powerful statement to places like communist Russia, or Nazi Germany, or diving into the Bible, Assyria. Or Africa, 21st century America. Or, oh yes, or the United States of America. That's also mm-hmm. a powerful statement. Um, Man, I'm so glad you said that. Anyway, we'll do a Sorry if that on. was offensive to some people. <laughs> well, well, so my, my first thought is you guys are super nerdy. Okay, Nate. I'm just not a... The, the amount of history that you guys know is super cool. I hope people enjoy that. Uh, for those of you who don't, which may include me, may or definitely does include me, um, although it's interesting, okay, I haven't studied it, I, I think trying to wrap it together, I think your, your, your guys' main point kind of all of you have said this, is the fact that the the Bible is this cohesive story that has stood the test of time in a very, with a lot of opposition. It has stood, and the the message of it hasn't really changed. Like, the the truth of Jesus and the story that it's trying to tell about Jesus has stayed, and no other thwarting in history with all these people, uh, whether they were good or bad people, couldn't really uh, get rid of it. So that, that's one of the things. You say it's trustworthy because it's stayed consistent and it hasn't yeah. been destroyed. Yeah, and that is what succinct looks like right there. Well, good summary. <laughs> good summary. I mean, that's, that's... I feel like that was a little subtweet at me, but that's fine. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't. Like, I, I ran it sub, too. What's a I ran too. Sorry, Nate, I'm a youth pastor. That's what the kids say these days. What does that mean? It's kind of like when you say something passive-aggressive that's not directly related to somebody, but it's like, oh, Nate, that was really succinct, unlike Tyler, that guy that kept on droning on. Matt was, Matt yeah. was subtweeting He was subtweeting me. I, like I wasn't with my... my no, no, no. Got got it. Too, no. Emily was the only one who was actually succinct. That's very typical. Technically. I mean... Yeah, wow. Um, Wow, that was uh, that was excellent. So, just as a last a last question, we can just kind of go around and give answers. If we agree with one another, just say agree. That's fine. But um, we'll we'll kick it off with uh, with Nate. Actually, with Nate, what is that story the Bible's telling? In in a brief, don't have to give it in stages or anything. But what's that story? So I uh, am not the biblical or theological scholar in the room. Which is a valuable perspective. So I'm going to steal uh, a phrase from a podcast that I love. <laughs> Don't say it because then people would listen to that one. It's an unnamed podcast. But I want them to listen to it because it's so, so good. Someday. It's an unnamed podcast for now. Someday. Okay. Uh, it's um, the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. Um, 
and mm. has impact and wisdom for the modern world. Awesome. That is <laughs> If only I, I so, so glad I came up with that. Ah, I'm glad you did too. <laughs> From unnamed podcast. Emily. Um this is, this is gonna well and this is gonna be like a cop out because I recently read a quote from uh, D.L. Moody who said that the gospel should be able to fit on a coin and I don't agree with that at all <laughs> because the gospel it doesn't fit on a coin so I would say just go read it and find out that story that's great so subversive good freaking answer Wow. Emily strikes again. Tyler, you're up. <laughs> what is the Bible? That's the story. No, what's the story of the Oh, what's the story of the Bible? Sorry. We already answered what is the Bible. Where oh. have you been? Just kidding. <laughs> I'm this? at the lunch. Uh, but it's like <clears throat> breakfast time. What is the story? How Father, Son, and Holy Spirit invite us into divine transformed life. Hot dang. That is a good one. That is a good one. Matt, what's your answer? Fits on a coin. What is my answer? Oh, sorry. It fits on a coin, though, so I guess it doesn't align with Emily's standards. Or Jesus's. Somewhere Dwight's happy with me there. Not Shrewd Moody. Dwight. Dwight Shrewd Moody. <laughs> <laughs> Dwight Shrewd Moody. Uh, you Office fans. Yeah, um, I would definitely say the Bible tells the story uh, about, honestly, about Jesus, but to unpack that a slight bit more, it's the story of a broken world that God created good, that he... Uh, dives into with all of his being uh, to rescue and save, and not just rescue and save, but to restore um, and make new again. So that, that's where I would, you know, that would be my summary of the biblical story, mm-hmm. I guess. So, well, why don't we call it quits there for today? That is a, uh, that is a, we covered a lot of good ground, I think. Uh, Emily Tyler, thank you so much for joining us on Grow You, the, the inaugural episode. You guys are wonderful human beings. We appreciate your input, your mm-hmm. insight, and your wisdom on the topic of the Bible. The good book, as Tyler says. <laughs> the only book. We might even title this episode The Good Book. Mm-hmm. The, oh, may it be so. How dare you say it's the only book. Oh, boy. Sorry. That was a joke. That was, yeah, it was sarcasm for sure. So. Anyway. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for listening. And uh, you can check the Facebook page if you guys have any questions or anything like that. Feel free to check there. We'll have some kind of posts that we can start some threads on and get some conversations rolling. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the Grow You podcast. If you have thoughts or questions, we invite you to continue the conversation online at the Grow You Facebook page. Come like the page, leave a comment, and share the podcast with your friends on social media. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And again, thanks for listening.